Hi, folks. Welcome to episode 48 of the Wealth on Any Income podcast. This is where we talk about money tips, techniques, attitudes, information, and provide inspiration. In the past episodes, we spoke about how to build an income and expense report, how to measure the level of pleasure based on where you spend your money, and how to track money in five to 10 seconds, what to look for in a net worth statement to see how close you are to complete financial choice. And last week, we had business coach Paul Mooring. Today, we have as our guest, Doug Marshall. Doug and I have known each other for over eight years. And if I was living in Oregon or Washington, he'd be the only commercial broker I'd work with. He's financed over $600 million in loans during his career. He has over 40 years of real estate experience, including 13 years investing in real estate personally. That's what he does to create wealth and grow a passive income. Doug is also the author of the book, Mastering the Art of Commercial Real Estate Investing, and the online course, The Great Game of Real Estate Investing. But Doug is also passionate about helping the homeless. He is the co-director of the Jesus Table and president of Hope for the Homeless Foundation. And we're going to talk more about that charity shortly. Doug, welcome to the Wealth on Any Income podcast. Well, Rennie, it's a, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Well, let's get right to it with some questions. Tell us what you do and why. Okay. Well, I both work and play on things that I'm, a, that I'm passionate about. You know, that's, that's my why. And as we mentioned before we, uh, we started uh, recording today, m- many people aren't passionate about anything. They're not even you know, passionate about their favorite sports team. And I'm very fortunate that I, I, I follow those things that I'm passionate about. And some of them are work-related. Some of them are uh, charitable organizations. And some are just things that I like to do. And so that's my why. I, I, I go after those things that I'm, I'm passionate about. Terrific. And we're going to probably veer a little bit about the standard questions, but Tell me more about what you do and what Hope for the Homeless Foundation does. Well, um, I started Hope for the Homeless Foundation in 2019. And we provide a service that no other organization in the Portland area where I'm located does. In fact, we might be the only ones in the country that do what we do. See, what we do is we vet nonprofit organizations that help the homeless. And Nonprofit organizations can really be divided into one of two categories. There's the compassionate care that uh, organizations that um, help with making it more comfortable for the the homeless to stay on the streets. You know, it could be people that help with uh, food, clothing, shelter, you know, temporary shelter, uh, medical, whatever. And that's under the, the category of compassionate care. And there's nothing wrong with compassionate care, but it doesn't solve the problem. And the, the second category of nonprofits are those that actually tackle one or more underlying causes of homelessness, resulting in the homeless finding permanent housing. And the vast majority, unfortunately, fall under the compassionate care umbrella. Mm-hmm. And you know, our vetting scorecard answers seven critically important questions that 
you, that need to be answered to find out which category they're in, the compassionate care side or whether they're tackling an underlying cause of homelessness. We then financially partner with those organizations that are doing great work, getting the homeless permanently off the streets and doing that work cost-effectively. And as a result of our vetting process, we know which organizations in the Portland area are actually helping to reduce the number of homeless on the street. And maybe more importantly, we also know the ones that are not. So that's, that's what Hope for the Homeless Foundation does. Fabulous. I'm going to ask you about the Jesus table next, but I, I, that makes so much sense to look at those two different categories, which I hadn't really thought of from the standpoint that here in the Los Angeles area, we've got a horrible homeless yeah. problem. And there are people who do have the compassionate approach. They make sandwiches and they distribute food. And right. that does nothing more than show that they're compassionate, but it doesn't solve anything right. other than maybe providing food and alleviating some hunger. Doesn't get to the underlying issue. So I'm, I'm very glad you explained that difference to me. So, and, and that's, you know, we all want to be compassionate towards the homeless, but reality is, is that don't you want to, to focus your money if you're going to try to help the homeless, wouldn't you rather put your money towards those that are actually helping them get off the street? Yeah. Oh, I, that's, that, that would be my objective too. And so what we're doing is we, we consider ourselves kind of like the, oh, let's say the consumer reports of mm -hmm. nonprofits that, that help the homeless. You know, we, we provide an objective um, look at what they're doing and how they're doing it and how cost-effectively they're doing it. Yeah. Later on in the interview, I'm going to ask for a link, but I would really appreciate personally having that list of the seven criteria you use, because I think that's extremely valuable. And that's something I would like to communicate to my entire list. Sure. Okay. Be happy to. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Tell me about the Jesus table. What, what is that about? Well, about 10 years ago, my wife and I started uh, the Jesus table and it it's been shut down as a result of COVID, but we plan to, to restart it again um, beginning in September. Uh, it looks like everything as far as COVID uh, restrictions is going to be over by then. So what we do is we provide a warm meal and a conversation every Tuesday night mm -hmm. at our church. And it's, you know, it's based on the idea of creating community at each table by having what we call a table host. Now, Randy, the, the hook, initial hook, reason why people come is for the food. And the food that we provide is really outstanding. It isn't like we just open up a, a can of pork and beans and provide them food that way. The, the food that we provide is excellent quality. Um, but the real need is not the food. Um, if you surprisingly, the people that we have, they might actually be, if anything, they might even be a little overweight. So I've never, it's not like they're in real need of that. Yeah. That's the, that's the hook. But the, the real need is they want to feel loved and have a relationship with people. And many times these people don't have any type of warm friendships at all. And mm -hmm. so, that's established by our table hosts. Um, they are the ones that 
that establish a relationship with the people that they can come to any table they want, but the table host is always at the same table every week. Mm. And over time, they, the people gravitate to one uh, table host and, Mm -hmm. and that's when things can happen as far as uh, that creating community among those that are feel lonely and want a relationship with others. That makes perfect sense because from everything I read about getting homeless off the street, it starts with creating a level of trust and that takes time. It doesn't happen as soon as you walk up to someone. Absolutely. Regarding your business, like yeah, I'm 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 struggling here because the podcast was designed to highlight someone's business. And what you and I spoke about was the transition that you're going through. Yeah. So you know what? I'm going to pass on that question. I'm going to go to something that's more personal and ask you what was your biggest either personal or business failure and what was the insight you gained from that? Well, I am one of that has had over the years many failures. I'll just say that right up front. <laughs> uh, I have failed both personally and professionally uh, many times. And it's not pleasant. Nobody likes to to fail at things. Uh, I can also say, though, that I've also had my share of successes, too. Yeah. And I I think I look I think back and I think the the the, my biggest failure, the one at least that was the most painful, by far the most painful was that I was probably 20 plus years ago, I was fired from a job. And that was was probably my biggest failure. And what was the insight from that? Or, what, or did you use that as leverage to create the success you've had? Well, the biggest insight by far was that I was under the, the wrong assumption. And let's see if you, maybe you or your listeners are in that, under that same assumption. I assumed that if I worked hard and I was faithful and I did my job that over time, I, I, my career would advance. I would be promoted and, uh, you know, I would be rewarded for my hard effort. And I found that that was simply a myth. And you see, over the years, for whatever reason, I don't know why, Renny, I wish I, I knew why, but I had this uncanny ability uh, to attract awful, <laughs> I mean, awful bosses you know, the type that they're, they're the screamers, they're, mm-hmm. the, they're the intimidators, yeah. they're the perfectionists, the ones that you can never please. See, I used to collect them. It was like, <laughs> I remember one time uh, when I was interviewing for one of these jobs that I had that I, I asked the, the person, you know, I said, well, you know, because I was already getting to the point where I was just getting, I couldn't believe I could collect another bad boss. But, so I asked this person, this, this woman, I said, what, are, what do other people think of you? I mean, mm. you know, as a, you know, one of those interview questions and she said, well, everybody thinks I'm just great, you know, blah, 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 whatever that was. And within 30 days of, of uh, starting my, my employment with her, I realized that I was working for someone that made Attila the Hun look like a puppy. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, that was really fun. So um, the thing that I've learned, it, the, the big thing I've learned over the years, um, 
was that I needed to be much more proactive on my career. Uh, I could not uh, uh, expect that my boss would reward me with an improved career path by doing good work. So in 2003, let me back up. I knew that what I was, you know, over the years, I, I knew that I was very competent at what I did and, and I, I did it really well and I really kind of enjoyed it. I just didn't enjoy the people I was working mm-hmm. for. So in 2003, you know, I took that, that leap of faith and started my own business, Marshall Commercial Funding. And I can tell you that first month, I, I'm, I'm not somebody that's overweight or anything. I lost seven pounds in that mm-hmm. first month because I was so stressed out uh, starting my own business. I never done anything like that before. And I, the other part of this I didn't tell, uh, I haven't told you about was that I was just over the years, because I was always in these junior positions, I was just barely getting by financially, just mm-hmm. eking out a living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And in that first year of Marshall Commercial Funding, I made three times what I made the previous year. I'm not talking a 30% increase. I mean, yeah. a three, 300%. Four. Yeah. Yeah. And, and boy, did that feel good. For the very first time, I had money. I mean, I actually had money in the, in the, in the bank and it was, it was such a great feeling. So uh, making that, that leap into self-employment was the best business decision I ever made. Terrific. Congratulations. I love what you had to say. In terms of what the people who may be investing in real estate do, rather than talking about, you know, uh, what do you do for these people because of our earlier conversation? Let me ask you, what are the common mistakes that people who are intending to invest in real estate, what are their common mistakes? Well, the common mistake is fear. It, it is like a the overwhelming issue. Two, three years ago, I wrote my book, Mastering the Art of Commercial Real Estate Investing. Yeah. And, Great and, book. And I um, went on. Uh, I think I was on 40 different podcast interviews uh, over a period of about 18 months. And the reason why I bring that up is, is that when I talked to many of these podcasters, I would, uh, they would tell me that, that the people, their audience were uh, either newbies or more likely they never invested. In fact, the majority of the people that were listening to the podcast were people who were interested in, in real estate investing, but they had never pulled the trigger. And there are reasons for, for that. But the primary reason, it's not because of a lack of money or a lack of knowledge. That, that, that's just not the case. The, the primary reason why people never go through with the buying their first rental property is fear. And there are many types of fear. And I've talked about in the past, four different types of fear. There's the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, fear of inadequacy, and fear of rejection. And I, I read a book recently, actually, it's been about two, maybe three years ago, that is just awesome. It's just the best book on this subject, and it's called Mastering Fear, a, a Navy SEAL's Guide by Brandon Webb. And in that book is this quote. So listen up to this quote and see what you think. I want to hear your opinion. I'm writing down Brandon Webb. Brandon Webb. Mastering fear. 
okay. mastering fear, a Navy SEALs guy. So this is a quote that comes out of his book. I don't think it's attributable to him, um, but I'm not sure who it is, but it, it goes like this. Everything you really want in life is on the other side of fear. So let me say that again. Everything you really want in life is on the other side of fear. Is that true? What do you think? I would, I would have to agree to that. If I think back about the things that I've done, like the first three unit property uh, I invested in and not feeling I knew enough and being afraid and using every penny of the $18,000 I'd saved over three years. Yeah, there was fear. It was mitigated because my wife was investing with me and so was the realtor who was bringing us the three-unit property. But yeah, there's fear of going from, this is the first time I've had any money in my life. I'm 50 years of age. It took me three years to save $18,000 and I'm pouring it all into this one thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it is too. I'm going to even get more basic than that. I'm going to go, to, remember that first kiss? <laughs> oh, big time rejection. I mean, what is yeah, going to about, happen? What about Am, I get hit? Am I going to be made a fool of? Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, everything you really want in life is on the other side of fear. It really is. It yeah. is. It, 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 it's like, you know, that first, that date with that gorgeous woman that you're with and somebody that you really want to get to know. And that first kiss, that is a, a perfect example, very simple, very basic, but it's, it's something that it's universal. You know, everybody yep. has, has gone through that. So I really believe it's it, uh, the biggest problem that most of my prospects, I, I've had people come up to me who said, Doug, I, I really want you to finance my first property. And they, 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 they'd answer like they'd ask, you know, have 20 questions that they wanted me to answer, and I'd be happy to go through it. And then uh, some time would go by, sometimes a, a six months or a year go by, and they call me again and they say, you know, as soon as I find my first rental property, I'm going to have you finance it for me. And I'm going to say, well, thank you very much. But they're never going to find it because they, they couldn't get enough information. They're, they're always looking for more information. Yep. At some point, you just have to say enough with, the, with the, the trying to get more information. You just need to pull the trigger. Yeah. The, the comment I've heard, or the expression is analysis paralysis. Yep. Yep. So cool. Yep. All right. Well, that, that's great. Great insights. And in terms of where you're going at this point, because we, we spoke about what you, I mean, you and I are both in a very similar situation. We need, neither one of us have to work for a living. Right. And both of us have lots of things that we're interested in or passionate about that we want to pursue. Yep, I mean, yep. For me, my intention is to be spending more time with the charity shelter to soldier, working yep. with their donors, working with those soldiers and using the skills that I've worked, that I've supported the public on with these soldiers. Yep. Is there some free resource that you could provide that would be of value to the people listening to this podcast? Well, the, the free resource that I offer, just go to my website. There's a, there are a variety of things on there. If your, your audience are interested in real estate investing, 
there's there is a variety of things on there that they can sign up for and get on a regular basis. I have, geez, uh, my blog is there. I have. Uh, I've read. I've read your blog steadily, and there's always great information in there. Everything from uh, a case study of a financing deal that goes wrong to the books that you've read and the value you've gotten from them. Yeah. So I would, I would start there, but there's a variety of other things that are on my website that are, that are virtually free. And, right. and uh, so almost everything on my website is free. Right. There are a few things. I will put the link for your website in the show notes. Okay. Um, and the last question I'll ask is what would be the one question I should have asked you that would give great value uh, to my listeners? Sure. So the question you, Rennie, I'm really disappointed. You didn't ask this question. <laughs> Shame on you. Now, I, I would have been really surprised if you had asked this question, but the question I would have, I'm going to answer here is tell us about the relationship between success and a person's superpowers. Okay. And I like to use the word superpowers. I, I think it really accurately kind of describes those, those natural gifts uh, or maybe uh, uh, spiritual gifts that you're given. But, for, but before I answer the question, I'll give you my, you know, my history. You know, for, for years, in fact, for most of my life, you know, I, I really wanted to be somebody that I wasn't. I envy the certain people who are outgoing, you know, the type of person that people naturally gravitate towards. Uh, and for a lack of term, I would just say those who everyone likes. And the guys who are comfortable in front of an audience that can tell a story or tell a joke and people like to listen to them and, and laugh along with them. You know, I envy their superpowers. I am not in that category. I am uh, something of an introvert. Uh, I certainly don't like getting in front of an audience. I can't tell a good story. I certainly can't tell a joke. And so I've always envied those people who can do that. You know, the ones that are, have that charisma. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So about 10 or 15 years ago, sometime back then, I... I had a, a change in my, my mindset. I began leaning into my superpowers, the things that, that I do that make me who I am. And I used to resist my superpowers because they kind of make me, they, they kind of make me kind of quirky, really, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I found out that the more I, I lean into my superpowers, the more successful I became. And that's, I believe, is true for, for every one of us here. You know, I believe that God has given each of us our own set of superpowers. And the less we focus on what we don't have, and the more we focus on those things that make us unique, uh, the greater the chance, you know, that we will succeed in life. Uh, I agree completely with you, Doug, because um, my wife will make comments to me often uh, about you know, she's not happy with the way I dress, but I enjoy wearing, wearing Hawaiian shirts. Uh, but it really has to do with being comfortable in my own skin. Yep. And there were people who I envied and I realized what was working for them isn't going to work the same way for me. And what is it I need to be doing 
that best works for me. So I, I, this is probably one of the best interviews I've had, Doug. And I, you know, for my listening audience, they need to know that. Uh, this is the one I want to promote all over the place. Yep. And Doug, I really want to thank you for being on the show. Well, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Rennie. And uh, thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. And to my listeners, thank you for tuning in. You can listen to The Wealth on any income podcast on your favorite platform, and please rate, review, and subscribe. If you'd like to know how books, movies, and society programs you to be poor and what the cure is, then log on to wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. You'll hear my TEDx talk and can request a free 27-page roadmap to complete financial choice and receive a weekly email with tips, techniques, or inspiration around your business or money. Again, that's wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. And next week, we'll have Kristen Swanson as our guest, who helps thought leaders execute their someday when procrastination projects. Until next week, be prosperous. Bye-bye for now.